0: As-salamu alaykum, you're listening to the HeartWork Community Quran Study of Surah Yusuf at Roots. All of our programming at Roots is live-streamed and published free of charge thanks to the goodwill of our monthly sustainers. Your donations allow us to continue our mission of being a community of welcoming, providing meaningful content, and nurturing our hearts, minds, and souls in coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You can help us reach our Ramadan campaign goal of 250 new sustainers by signing up today, or if you are already a sustainer you can increase your amount and also encourage your family and friends to support the work we do by signing up at rootsdfw.org/sustain as always may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and reward you Jazakumullah khairan wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah all right bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa wa ajmain welcome home everybody it's good to see everybody back mashallah you guys like the art alhamdulillah may dua inshallah that uh, the meanings of this stuff are really, really important, subhanAllah. The art is beautiful, of course. And in our tradition, Islamic tradition, like art means a lot. Visual representation, the signs of Allah, all right? So we have a lot of stuff. Um, like I will, I'll explain it, inshallah, at some point. We don't have a lot of time tonight because Maghrib you know, comes in at uh, 7.40, inshallah. And tonight, uh, I have to uh, leave really quickly after we're done with the class because I haven't seen my kids all day, subhanAllah. So, I have to do bedtime tonight, officially. So, no, they're not coming here. Uh, so I have to do bedtime. So, I have to get home, inshallah, before they do that. Otherwise, I will get it. Not for my wife, for my daughter. And she wakes up the next morning and she's like, Where were you? Right? So, I have to at least see her before she goes to sleep. Okay? And she also got her ears pierced this weekend. So, I have to like sit there and, uh, you know, comfort her. Yeah. While my wife does the antibacterial stuff. Okay, ready? Let's go to Qur'an.com slash 12. We had our, our Ramadan calendar. We're going to be posting that on Instagram, insha'Allah. So um, Ramadan's going to have, insha'Allah, there's a lot going on, iftars, uh, programs, opportunities. Suhqa will be open, insha'Allah, uh, you know, uh, at Maghrib time up until uh, the end of Tarawih, And then even on the weekends, we're going to be open late night, insha'Allah, as well. So... There's going to be a lot of, of stuff. I threw that up there so you guys could see it, maybe take some pictures, inshallah. And um, yeah, join us. We'd love to have you. Welcome home, inshallah. Alrighty. So we are now entering to the phase of the story. We're going through scenes, right? So we had the first scene, which is the, the, the dream of Prophet Yusuf, السلام, peace be upon him. And then we have the second scene, which is the brothers of Yusuf. You know, being uh, uh, jealous, being angry with their father's love of Yusuf. Ayah number eight. And then we have, you know, developments now of this internal dialogue, this suggestion that's now floating between uh, the the different brothers about what to do as uh, as a result of their father's love. So, ayah number eight. Remember when they said to one another, Surely, Joseph and his brother, Benjamin... Benjamin are more beloved to our father than we are. There's something interesting here that I'll point out. Um, the, the, one of the Mufassirin he mentions, and he says that they are pointing out something that is, and in all honesty it is, impossible or very difficult for uh, Yaqub or for anybody to control, which is how much he loves somebody. Okay, and we talked about this a little bit. Love might be interpreted in different ways. You might have One person that is receiving a lot of like, you know, warmth and cuddling and kindness. You might have another person in the same family that gets a lot of decision-making and responsibility, right? And both are languages of love. So these brothers are, in some way, shape or form, are misinterpreting the love of their father, Yaqub. Or the other mufassir says, look, you guys are all... Uh, uh, you know, alleging that your father is wrong, you're telling him that he's making a mistake, you're then going to plot to kill your brother, and your brother didn't do anything. So maybe, maybe the writing's on the wall. Maybe he really does love him more because you guys are prone to doing this stuff. Like, what kind of child, what kind of person can can plot to kill their brother, and that might also be indicative of your relationship with your father, right? So there's a little bit of a, a truth, uh, you know, moment that everybody has to have with this ayah. So, one thing, though, that the Mufassir points out is that they don't, they don't blame or accuse Prophet Yaqub of giving extra treatment to Yusuf or Benjamin. They don't say that he gives them better things or he gives them nicer clothes. They don't say that. They're just saying that we can tell that he loves them more, Okay. And the reason why that's an important point to note is because while something may be realistic in the sense that you can't deny that you could love somebody more than somebody else, our responsibility as people is to be able to measure our treatment of others and to not let somebody know that, you know what, I prefer this person over you. You guys understand what I'm saying? Some people, you guys get it? Let me repeat. While you might actually have more feelings for somebody. Let's say that you have two friends. You like one of them more. You should do your best to protect the one who you don't like as much from figuring out that you're not really as close to them as you are to the first person, okay? Why? The Prophet ﷺ was described as being close to everybody, so much so that everybody thought that they were his best friend. Now some people might say, well, that's that's, come on, you gotta be true to yourself. No. Sometimes you don't have to be true to yourself, sometimes you don't, sometimes what you have to do is you have to act and behave and carry yourself in a way that protects the dignity and the honor and the self-esteem of other people. Imagine, imagine somebody walks into a room, you're having people over, and for one of the guests you get up and hug them, greet them, make them a plate, and the next one that walks in you're like, yeah, the food's over there. Is that, is that being Islamic, but I gotta be true to myself, no, no. A good host, a person that cares about everybody, whether or not they have levels, should get up and greet and take care of and host everybody exactly the same. Because you don't want that person to leave your gathering, leave your company thinking, I'm not as important to this person. I'm not beloved. You guys ever been looking down the list to invite somebody to something and someone's been out of town? Oh yeah, let's go hang out. Call so-and-so, ah, he's traveling, she's traveling. Let's not do it. And then you call them anyway? You text them anyway, you throw them in the group chat anyway, why would you do that? It's not practical, it's not efficient. You do that so that you know, they know that you are thinking about them, right? Even if they're not in town, even if they're not there. So these are, again, etiquettes. Even if you might have a little bit more love for somebody else, it's true, it's human, it's a reality. You might love somebody a little bit more. Or maybe that day, you're more inclined to be around somebody. Let's say that you have two friends, one that talks a lot and one that doesn't talk at all. Okay, one that's an Uber driver, (laughs) they talk a lot, and one that doesn't talk, there are some days where you don't want to talk. And on that day, you're hanging out with both of them, don't make the person who's very conversational feel like you don't like them. Don't do that, right? Try to figure out a way to make both feel like they are included in your love, okay? Because that's what they're doing here. They're not accusing Yaqub of being unfair, they're just saying we can kind of tell that he has more love. The next thing, the next mistake that they make, or one of the mistakes that the brothers make, is they assume that their number is something that is giving them some sort of merit. And this is something, by the way, that a lot of people, uh, we still carry this till today, okay? Is anyone here, do you come from like a really big handan? Okay, you guys know what that means, no? Anyone here come from like a really large family? How many of you Palestinians are from Arlington? And you're all cousins, right? Like, Eid is stressful, right? How much ma'luba can you make, right? So. There are moments and families and situations where people take a lot of pride in their numbers, okay? And they make themselves feel like, you know what? I have this many people, I have this many cousins, I have this many... The reality is, man, none of that matters. None of that matters if it doesn't propel you towards Allah. If you have a big family and all of you are very pious, then that's good. But having a large family, having a large clan or a tribe, doesn't actually inherently do anything. I'll give you another translation because some people, the whole family thing's not hitting. If you have a lot of followers on Instagram, if you have a lot of people that retweeted you once or that shared your viral TikTok of the dance that wasn't that impressive, right? That doesn't mean anything. If you have a lot of subscribers, if a lot of people think you're funny, blah blah blah, all those number things don't actually matter. What matters is the impact and the quality of your character, not the amount of characters you have in your life. Bars, you like that? right? <laughs> I hate myself right now so much. <laughs> I saw it, I knew I shouldn't have grabbed it, and I took it, and I you know, and now the internet's going to make fun of me forever, right? And Marani is going to come get me. All right. So, don't, mis, don't ever misunderstand, or don't ever misinterpret where your value comes from. If you think your value comes from the amount of friends you have, then you're making the same mistake as the brother of Yusuf. Your value comes from, number one, your relationship with God and your ability to recognize that relationship the <laughs> Allah said, your nobility, the most noble amongst you are those that are the most God conscious, those who have the most reverence towards God. They always make the right decision. They always think about God first and foremost. That's your nobility. The second trait or the second uh, measure of nobility for a person is how they treat people, not how many people they have. How they treat people. When people leave your presence or your gathering, Do they feel loved? Do they feel like you made a difference for them? One of the the greatest tragedies that we have are these devices that we carry with us. Someone's talking to us and we have to ask them and beg them and plead for them. Please look at me. Please look while I'm talking. It's so bad that sometimes I catch myself being like, keep talking, I'm listening. As you look at your phone. Yeah, yeah, keep, I just gotta respond to this. Keep talking. I mean, unless someone's house is burning down, may Allah protect us. Unless something really serious is happening, There's really no reason to have a person speaking in front of you, talking to you, connecting, you know, verbally connecting. It's for that person to feel so low that I'm going to look at a screen and scroll while you talk to me. And I'll reassure you, don't worry, I'm listening. Right, may Allah Ta'ala help us. These are things, these are little things that we don't think about, but they really matter. And community is built on this stuff. So, وَنَحْنُ عُصْفَةٌ Okay, and then they say, إِنَّ أَبَانَ لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ That our Father is surely in clear error. So they have constructed their argument. Their argument is incorrect. Their argument is wrong. But they have now established their argument and they've arrived at their conclusion. What lesson is there? Everyone is able to justify and rationalize everything that they say. You can always make a good argument, right? How many of you are lawyers? You can defend either side. Everyone looked around. Are you guys okay? Are we in legal trouble, right? Everyone's <laughs> looking around like, yeah, that, I could use you right now. I was <laughs> like, inshallah, hopefully not, right? Lawyers will tell you. Your ability to win a case or your ability to make a compelling argument in the case has nothing to do with where the truth is. It's about how well you can present your case. Right? Everybody can manipulate and turn and twist an argument to make it sound so appealing and so correct. I mean, look at these guys. They're literally talking about what? Who wouldn't feel bad for them? If you listen to this, oh, our father, he loves our brother more. And look at us, we're all, look at, look at, there's so many of us, we've done so much for him. That's a really emotional argument, it's a compelling argument. But they're misrepresenting. And this is why, if you ever engage, which you will, in listening to someone's life problems, if you are there when someone's spilling the tea, Right? you need to be very careful not to make your mind up about one side of the story. Don't do it. Ali the Ali, the, 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 the fourth Khalifa, right, the cousin of the Prophet wasallam. he warned against this. 1400 years ago, he said never form an opinion when you listen to one side. Never. Because why? Because you've only given one person a chance. One individual, one group, a chance to make their claim. Yaqub has no statement yet. Yusuf, salam, poor, poor guy, has nothing to have said yet. If you just read this, you would say the brothers are right. Come on, poor guys, that's not nice. How could their father treat them like this? Right? How many of us have fallen into that trap? We heard one side of one story, and we already made our decision, we already made our conclusion. we got to be very careful. I'm not saying that the person talking to you is telling you, you're like, I don't know. Let's see what the other person says. That's not empathetic either. What I'm saying is, have the emotional intelligence. Have the ability to empathize with the person. I'm so sorry you're going through this. This sounds horrible. I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. Let me know how I can be of help. But, as you walk away, one of my teachers taught me this. I thought it was very profound. And you might not get it, but hold on to it because one day you'll get it. He said, when you're listening to two people who are in conflict, Hold the belief that they both might be telling the truth. Hold the belief that they both might be telling the truth. Until one of them clearly shows that they're lying. Or it's proven that they're not telling the truth. Why? Because how many differences are from perspective and not actual, factual, objective reality? How many differences? You guys ever seen that picture on the internet? The six and the nine? And they're like, depends on which way you look at it, right? Right? And you got these two characters, one looking at it from above, one looking at it from underneath. It's the same integer, but they're seeing it in different ways. How many situations in life are just like that? You're seeing it one way, they're seeing it another way. And we make a decision on who we're following, who we support, who we believe, without appreciating all sides of the story. Be very, very careful with this. May Allah how to protect us from that, okay? So then you have the brother now. One of them who says what? Let's kill Yusuf. And we said this, Shaytan will always lob a a Hail Mary. You guys know what a Hail Mary is? It's like in football, the last play of the game, no time left, team's about to lose. Sounds like a Cowboys game, right? Okay, so, team's about to lose, and what does a quarterback do, right? They drop a Hail Mary. They got four wide receivers, they run them all down, everyone's running, every player is in the end zone, and the quarterback just tosses it, throws it wide, because... Maybe, just maybe, Hail Mary is a term for prayer, right, in the Christian theological tradition. Hail Mary is a prayer that is made. So they're throwing up a prayer, okay? So Shaitan, when he's trying to get you to do something, will oftentimes get you to consider something that's like 10 degrees worse than anything you've ever done. Do this. And you're like, oh, no, what? I would never do that. And then Shaitan dials it back. Why? Because relative to that, the dialed back idea is not so bad. It's not so bad. Kill him! No. Okay, let's just leave him out for dead. Okay. That's better. That's better, right? Let's kill him. Or, let's leave him in some distant land. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. We talked about this last week. It's almost like we don't want to think about the consequences. What happens to him if you leave him in a distant land? He's going to die. Well, he didn't die. Well, we didn't kill him. He passively died. No, SubhanAllah. We cannot disconnect our actions from the consequences if we knew that there was probability that it was going to happen, right? We cannot. What do they say? So that our father will turn his face towards us. Our father's attention will be only ours. Now this is what jealousy does. This is what hasad does. This is what a sinful heart does. You ready? A sinful heart makes you completely lose all logic. Nothing makes sense. What do you think is going to happen if they kill their brother? What do you think is going to happen if they leave their brother for dead? You tell me. What is their father going to do? Huh? Well, yeah, if he knows it's them, he'll hate them. But what if they get away with it? What if their brother just suddenly passes away? What do you think their father's emotional state will be? Upset, heartbroken, devastated. Right? And we don't have to, you know, may Allah Ta'ala bless one of our, 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 our family members here at Qalam. lost his brother suddenly last week in his twenties, got a phone call, his brother passed away, unknown why. SubhanAllah. Do you think anyone in that family is in any state to think about anything right now? May Allah Ta'ala give them a beautiful reunion in Jannah. I can't imagine this. And if you've lost somebody, then I, I, I extend that dua for you as well. Because loss is something that, Like I said before, I was speaking to one brother who lost his son, and he said, I just can't wait. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to end my life, but I can't wait until my life ends. Because then I'll get to meet my son again. So now imagine what these guys are thinking. They think that we can get rid of him, and now suddenly, our father is going to be like, I love you guys now. You guys are actually here. He's gone, but I love you. No, man. Now, it's easy to sit here and chuckle at that, but think about how many times in your life your logic was so twisted by your desires that you thought that something was going to work out for you and you did some complicated nefsical math to figure out that equation and now that you're looking at it with your nefs cleared up and your heart is strong, you're like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? I mean, if you grew up as a Muslim in America, and you went to high school here, you all know what I'm talking about. Showing up to your living room in a tuxedo, where are you going? The library. <laughs> it's prom night. You sure you're going to the library? Yeah, it's formal at the library, right? I'm not going to let you in unless <laughs> you've got a bow tie on. Like, think about the lies, man. You know, it's interesting, I'll say this subhanAllah. Young people who were born Muslim, who grew up trying to navigate and live that dual life between home and school and public and whatnot. There's a lot of people that sort of, and again, it's almost like an army veteran. Like you're like, this has got battle scars. Everyone's like, oh my God, I used to climb out the window. I used to do this. I used to do that. The reality is, man, subhanAllah, I want us all, and this is a good time to think about this because Ramadan's coming. I want us all not to laugh. And not to take pride in those moments, but to really, really try to cleanse ourselves of the habits we developed then. I know some people, in, including myself, I mean growing up, we, we literally can probably pass a lie detector test. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, some of you, your dad or your uncles or whatever, was in like the army of the country that they came from. Like Pakistani generals, and they're like, where'd you go? And like being interrogated, you're like, nowhere. Were there girls there? No and you pass it, and the a person develops over time, right, like torture methods, the ability to lie with their heart not skipping a beat. And then you get old, and in college, people are bragging about it, I can lie so well, bro. You just called yourself like what? A liar. I can lie so well, I can get away with anything. That's not something to be proud of. That's a sign that the heart has permanently decayed on one side of it, has to be amputated now. We should not celebrate our ability to do things that are steeped in vice. We should be embarrassed. We should not admit this stuff. If we have it, that's okay. We, we know we gotta struggle with it. But don't walk around saying stuff like, man, before I started practicing, you should have seen me. You should have seen me. No, no one should have seen you, right? <laughs> we should say, before I start practicing, I wish I could forget that. Do you see Omar ibn khattab walking around after he became Muslim talking about all the things he did? Do you see any of the Sahaba walking around? No, you don't see that. They're not talking about that stuff. And if they did, they were laughing at themselves, they weren't celebrating it. They were saying how dumb, how foolish I was for doing this, okay? So Shaytan uses the nafs, those desires, to come up with this articulate plan to figure out how you can get yourself what you want and in that moment, Shaitan will make you lose complete logic. If you kill your brother, your father is not all of a sudden going to fall in love with you guys. That's not how that works. And I'm not sure if you ask them later, hey, did you really think that was going to happen? They probably wouldn't say yes. they say, yeah, it was kind of miscalculation there on our part, right? And then, after that he says, وَتَكُونُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ صَالِحِينَ And this is the, the famous promise that every nafs, every desire makes to the heart of a person. Do this, Engage in this, do this sin, and then after, tomorrow you'll be good. Tomorrow you'll fix yourself. The reality is, if you don't have effort now, that effort doesn't magically show up tomorrow. We're not talking about success or failure. Success or failure is not in your hands all the time. Sometimes you try and you fail. And sometimes you try and you succeed. You know what the beauty is? Allah rewards both people the same way. If a person tries and they fail, their effort is what Allah cared about. And if a person tries and they happen to achieve what they were hoping for, that's beautiful too. But we learn in our religion that the person who put forth effort gets rewarded by Allah. I promise you, if you don't know how you're going to wake up for Fajr this Ramadan, forget the fact that there's food. That's the only food you can eat for the whole day, right? If you don't know how you're going to do this, don't sabotage your reward by not even putting forth effort. Some of us don't even set the alarm. We give up on ourselves. Why try? I'll I'll go a step further. Some of us don't pray at all. Some of us do a lot of things that we regret. Wake up every single day intending to change. If it happens, beautiful. If it doesn't, you still have that candle lit. You still had that flame. And one day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala incrementally will allow you to become that person that their intention is no longer just an idea, but it's their action. One day, say inshallah, you will look in the mirror and you will see in yourself, I never thought I could become this. You know why you did? Because you never gave up on yourself. The people who don't grow, it's because they've given up. There's not some magical, you know, roulette that Allah picks. No, no, no. Whoever tries, Those who strive, who try for us, Allah says we will guide them to our paths. If you put forth the effort, if you take one step, Allah Ta'ala comes to you running. One hand span towards Allah, He comes to you in arm's length. All you have to do is give something, and Allah will come to you times ten, times a million. You can't even measure how many times Allah will come to you when you put forth one thing. But you can't give up on yourself. You know shaitan's name. Iblis, his original name, his OG, his DJ name, right? <laughs> Shaitan's name, Iblis. You know what it comes from, grammatically or fr- linguistically, in the Arabic language? Some scholars say it comes from Balasa, which means to be hopeless. Shaitan's goal is to, is to, like, drain us from ever having any optimism, ever having any hope. I can never do this. I can never be that. Don't let Shaitan win, okay? So, we have to believe in ourselves, but we can't keep making false promises. There was a poet that said something beautiful one time. He said that you keep promising yourself that you'll change, but you never put forth any effort. He said, Does a boat sail on dry land? You keep promising yourself that you'll change, but you never put forth an effort. You keep promising yourself that you'll pray, but you never set the alarm. You don't download that app that's probably sharing your data with the government. You don't. You got to do something, you keep promising yourself you'll change, but you don't make an effort. Does a boat sail on dry land? No, it doesn't. If you want to make moves, if you want to grow, you need to be able to progress. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us sincerity, inshaAllah, okay? Then one of the brothers comes and says, one of them, قَائِلٌ مِنْهُمْ One of the brothers says, don't kill him, لا تقتلوا Yusufa. يُوسُفَ Don't kill him, but if you must do something, throw him in the bottom of a well. Throw him in the bottom of a well. Toss him into a well. So that he might be picked up by some travelers. You guys see this amazing logic? Shaitan is like the greatest lawyer. You can't be blamed if you threw him into a well. Right? You can't be blamed if you tossed him because you didn't kill him. It's a well. In fact, one of the brothers, there's water. Yeah, good point. Right? So they they come up with this elaborate, they don't realize that you can justify oppression all you want. How many of us have backbit somebody? Well, I would say to their face. Front bite, right? How many of us have perpetuated rumors? I'm only telling you this because I want you to know. What are you doing? Maybe you don't want them to know. Maybe be quiet for once. You can justify any oppression, SubhanAllah. Oppression wouldn't exist if it couldn't be justified, right? Because then everyone could see it was wrong. The reason why oppression exists is because some people believe it. They believe that it's right right? Oh yeah, makes sense. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I see that. So these guys are now coming up with their whole justification. Oh, we'll toss him in a well. Why? Because our father will love us. But we're not killing him. He's in the well with water. And guess what? People will come pick him up. Win-win. Everyone's happy. But you still completely stole this person's life away from them. So they go to their father and they say, oh father, why do you not trust us with Yusuf? This is gaslighting 101, dude. (laughs) Why don't you trust us with him? Don't you know we wish him well? You like the translator? Translator used the word well instead of like wishing good for him, right? Well, well. Okay, anyways, that's fine. So, don't you know that we wish him well? Though so they wish him in a well, right? SubhanAllah. So now they're gaslighting their father. They're coming at him. They're overcompensating. What does the father say back? Or what do they say? Send him with us tomorrow. We're a group of guys. We want to hang out. Let him enjoy himself, he will play with us and we will watch over him. We will watch over him. Do you know how scary it is that the nefs has the ability to like two-face that quickly? We can act one way in private. Look at them when they're in their gathering. They're plotting to kill their brother and then just a few moments later talking to their dad, saying what? Yeah, we're gonna go play, send him with us. We will protect him. The words they use subhanAllah, sometimes the nafs is it's own indictment. It will tell you. Sometimes if you want to feel the reality of your guilt, I'll tell you this, wallahi I'll tell you this. If you want to feel the reality of your guilt, can I be honest with you for a second? Can I just open up? I've been asked to give lectures on being good to your parents. The importance of being good to your parents. I get invited, like give a lecture on being good to your parents. You know the first thing I do? I call my mom, mom are we good? Because if my mom is upset with me, how can I sit there in the chair and talk about being good to your parents? Wallahi, sometimes I've come late to heart work. You know why? Because I have to settle things with people before I come here and teach. Wallahi, I'm, I'm being honest. I have to make sure we're good. I can't sit here and teach people about Qur'an and people who hate me and I've hurt somebody and I haven't apologized. What good is it if I sit here and my wife is upset with me? Sitting here talking about family? And -and so-and-so is bothered. I didn't do them right. No, that's not how Muslims live. We don't live double lives. Look at, you should feel now when you read this, shock, dare I say even a little bit of disgust at the ability to plot the murder of somebody and then go to the father of that boy and say, send him with us. May Allah protect us from ever having the ability to do this. This is one of the scariest ways to present oneself in one way and two. Be completely different. This is what the Prophet Saul said, said when he described the hypocrites. He said, one way they're one way, the other way they're other way. Don't be that person. Be the same way all the time. Oh, well, I have problems. I don't want to don't expose the problems, but you don't have to put on a show, put on an act. Just work on yourself. Just work on yourself. Right? And then the father says, It would truly sadden me if you took him away from, if you took him away from me with you. We're going to finish here because Maghrib is coming, inshallah. And I fear that a wolf may devour him while you are negligent of him. Man, this is next level. I have to leave you with something here. Give me 30 seconds. Uh, what are the chances that a wolf will come and eat, and out of a group of brothers, will choose one and pick that one and eat him? You guys see that that's like a pretty probable thing? If a group of 12 people go out, you think a wolf's going to be like, which one's Yusuf? No. Why did the father, why did Ya'qub say this? There is, in in Arabic rhetoric, there is an experience or a phenomenon in which the speaker will say something that's so far out because they know something that's even more horrifying inside. You guys ever asked your parents like when you were younger, can I go somewhere? And they're like, no. Why? Because uh, you might fall down into a hole and never come out. And you're like, wait a minute, what? what? What are the chances? They're like, oh, because you know, you might, um, I don't know, you know, something might happen. Just, just stay home. And you're like, what? what's wrong with you? Why are you being so ridiculous? Think logically. SubhanAllah, sometimes they have something that they really fear and they don't want to tell it to you. And so they're hiding it, why? Sometimes it's because it's, it's frightful. Sometimes it's because they want to preserve you. They know that you might fall victim to your own desires and instead of attributing that to you, they give it to some, they say, oh, something else might happen to you. That's what he's doing here. Yaqub's not gonna tell his boys, I think you're gonna kill him. I think you have bad plans for my son. He's not gonna say that, why? It's gonna make them feel bad. It's gonna hurt the relationship. So he, set, he picks another figure, the wolf, and he goes, a wolf might come and eat him. So the brothers know what? Yaqub is not sleeping. He knows that something's happening. He knows that there's a plot. But he doesn't want to destroy his relationship with his boys, his sons. So he's picking something that's a little bit far out. Why? Because even a parent, even a father, a father who loves his children, doesn't want to disgrace and humiliate even when he knows that they're wrong. It's amazing, man. The Muslim tries to preserve the honor of other Muslims at all costs, even if you know that there's something there. Even if you know. You can come up with another excuse, another reason, some other way. To preserve this person's dignity and make sure that they are saved. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us this. Um, so we're going to inshallah continue, right, we're going to inshallah continue. Because um, this, this surah gets very, very amazing from here. This is kind of like one of the peaks of the, of the surah, one of the climaxes of the story. Uh, but you see here the story is taking a very, very interesting turn. And now it's going to the point now where you're starting to see what happens when the nafs goes from, from theory, from strategy. actual action. You start to see this now. The goal for this is not to sit here and just enjoy the story, although it is beautiful. The goal for this is to look within ourselves now. Ramadan is a time where everything is under a magnifying glass. The, 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 The window into the self is clear. We should be able to look and see what traits we share with this story, good and bad. What times do we come and manipulate truth and reality so that we can get what we want, just like these brothers are doing right now and how we can learn from this to make sure that we don't become like them. We ask Allah Ta'ala to bless everybody here. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to become people of Qur'an, that we read it, we learn from it, and we change from it. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to become people of beautiful character, that we become people that are... We mirror the example of our Prophet Muhammad and we ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to always live in the shadow of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that every time that we engage with anybody, we respond in a way that is more beautiful, than the way that even we've been engaged with it. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen bihamdik Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant Nastaghfirika wa natubu ilayk Allah khairan everybody uh, InshaAllah next week So obviously Thursday is Ramadan InshaAllah Or Wednesday night is the beginning of Ramadan Thursday we have a community iftar You're going to see the flyers on Instagram So just, you'll see it. Thursday night we have a community iftar InshaAllah There's no lecture, just dua and iftar Monday we're going to have heart work, InshaAllah Saturday, we have a late-night program. Make sure you check the graphic, inshallah. Uh, if you sat in a chair, please do us a huge favor and help stack them. Maghrib is going to be prayed in just momentarily, a couple minutes. So head over to the Musallah and perform your Maghrib, inshallah. Jazakumullah <laughs> khairan, wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. Oh, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it, See you later, Melanie. Yes, I gotta go put them to bed. Inshallah. Wa yus salam wa rahmat.